Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. is going on y'all we are back it is another episode of no bets barred this time for ufc 285 john jones the return of john jones this time at heavyweight taking on cyril gone card is stacked to the gills i mean especially this main card i cannot wait for all five fights going down on this one we've got jed we have got new york rick in the house as a special guest uh, I, I, think, I think there's some dividing lines here I think there's some dividing lines between uh, the people on this podcast, and I cannot wait to get into it. I'm excited because uh, I think you might be right, and that means that you, you know, you podcast with me, you see Rick every day, you work with him on the MMA Hour, you live at least much closer than we live, so you get to be a just and fair arbiter of who is correct. Cough, cough, it's me, but we'll get into all that. Ricky, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. Um, it's only love. And I'm debuting my very sultry Barry White voice just for you guys. I gotta you say, it's, it's working for me. I'm actually starting to believe that you got sick on purpose. Your kids got sick and you were like, you know what? Let me get some of that so I can time this out perfectly for my No Bets Barred second appearance. And I'll just sound that much better because we're audio only. So you're doing it for the listeners as well. Last time I was in a closet. This time I'm, I'm going sultry. We're, we're mixing it up every single time. Yeah, I mean, we're can, audio only, but like this this setup you got, man, I mean, it's it's completely black. There's some sort of light that I, I want to say it's your laptop. It could be a flashlight. It could be a candle, whatever it is. It's shining from below you. And you could giving, be telling so, ghost stories I mean, right some now. crazy shadows off. The Kamaru Usman sounds like he's always telling a ghost story. Yeah. I'll just break into that later. Dude, no, I stick with this MMA SMR that you got going on voice right now. You can debut that for the MMA hour later with with these dulcet tones of yours. Yeah, I know this is kind of weird. Like normally you're in like an incredibly bright, like all white room. Uh, but yeah, here we are in in some dark times. All right, before we get into 285, it's, last it's about week, to be more dark times for him as I lay the verbal beat wow, down on him. Wow, verbal beat regarding down. That's, his boy. That's what we're going with, a verbal beatdown. We will get into that in just one second. We're coming off of 
UFC Vegas 70. What a card. Is that what just happened? Bellator 291, a little KSW, uh, maybe a little one championship sprinkled in there, a little Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. Uh, I ended up with a winning week, uh, flyweight unders. Unfortunately, we lost that. I mean, it would have been a much bigger week had wasn't Charles Johnson. Under. Just, we, that's what I'm saying. Charles Johnson weighing in at 125, that fight gets finished, no doubt about it. Yeah, had we known, uh, you know, that would have been a lot. Have been cooler. Would have been a lot cooler, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, Jake Paul, the fix was not in. Uh, I thought, you know, maybe maybe we were going to be able to cash some tickets there. Not the case. Yeah. Alas, you know, to come away with some profit after la- after last week, I, I can't really complain. Uh, and now, two eighty five. I mean, three minutes into this, it feels like it's time to just dive right in. I mean, we have a lot to talk about, so for the sake of keeping this on turn two hours we probably Ooh. should just hop right in i'm hype i'm hype so let's get right into it let's not make the people wait let's not make new york rick wait i mean uh, i think he has to get back to his coffin whatever vampire entities he has here in, in his house the bats i can see some bats hanging around anyway let's get right into it let's start the main event it is the heavyweight championship of the world the baddest man on planet earth will be determined on Saturday, for some, maybe maybe some still want to say Francis Ngannou, but John Jones taking on Cyril Gan. I'm going to just gonna let you two take the floor right now. You can have John Jones for the price of minus 165. Cyril Gan coming back at plus 140. This this line has kind of been a little bit of a roller coaster. I want to say John Jones open a favorite, shoots to an underdog. I know a lot of people got him at plus money, and now he's all the way back, creeping down. I, I feel like that number is going to continue to drop. But uh, as far as a pick, my brain's in knots, and that's why I have you two to untie the knots for me. You know what? Uh, guests should go first. That's always my opinion. You know, I want to... He he's been waiting for this day for has it been ten years since we last saw John? I, it's been a long time that Rick has been waiting, just many many years, and even more if we're looking for the last time John was impressive. So, Rick, you can come out here and you can uh, get this thing that you've had, you know, a kindergartner's full life cycle to prepare this speech for you. Yeah, and I have a kindergartner, so I can attest to the fact that it has been exactly that long. Here's the case for John Jones, and here's what here's let me start with why I love John Jones. First of all, he's the goat. I don't care what anybody says. You can put an asterisk on it. That's fine. He's the goat. Two, John Jones is a, is a trouble, a very troubled human being. But inside the cage, he's got, as they say, he's got that dog in him. Now, you can argue about his last couple of fights not looking impressive. I would chalk that up to A, lack of inspiration, right? It's hard to get up to fight Tiago Santos, Anthony Smith, Dominic Reyes when you've been dominating so long and coming off names like Shogun Hua and Lyoto Machida and Rampage Jackson and doing everything in the sport. He's done it for so long that that inevitably there's a burnout and a lack of motivation, and he's admitted as such. It's convenient to do that. I will grant you that, um, but I believe it truly believe that he wasn't motivated for those last couple of fights. Now, even granting that in those last couple of fights, what I think we have to keep in mind, yes, 
There are arguments that he could have lost. I've heard people say he could have even lost the Tiago Santos fight. Jed, I actually believe in real time you scored it for him. Unless I, I unless sure I, did. And when I went back, well, I'll continue to let you have your time. When yeah. I went back and rewatched it, I still feel good about it. I don't have okay. an issue with you scoring that fight for John Jones. I don't think it's a robbery. Yeah. But I went back and rewatched it when I was doing my tapes and I was like, yeah, I still think Tiago won three of these rounds. Yeah, and I think it's fair. And I think it's 100% valid and fair to criticize John Jones's last couple of performances. Dominic Reyes, a lot more people have claimed that he won that fight and scored it for Dominic Reyes. The one thing I would point to in those fights is the later rounds are where John Jones shined. That is what he has always done. He he has that dog in him. And when the, the rubber meets the road and it's championship rounds time, that's when he tends to show up. Um, and I'm not 100% sure in a fight with a guy who's as green as Cyril Ghosn, that he's going to be able to withstand that. We saw him completely fold the second half of his fight against Francis Ngannou. Um, now, we can talk about the wrestling, we can talk about the size of Francis Ngannou, but that's when Francis Ngannou took over, and that's when John Jones takes over these fights. Now, do I think there's a chance that he comes out and has a better performance, and that it's not just him having to dig deep in the later rounds? I do. I think there's some things that he does that I think will give... Cyril got some problems. Um, if he is if he is mixing up his game well, if he is using those oblique kicks to counter some of the kicking game that Cyril Gan uh, tends to use, um, and if he's staying as long as he as he can be, I think John Jones is a problem for any fighter on this planet, whether it be Cyril Gan, Francis Ngannou, light heavyweights, whatever it is. He has such physical gifts. Now, how how good he's going to look at heavyweight, how good his camp went, how good he's going to look after that layoff. I readily admit and accept that these are variables that I don't know the answer to. So if I'm if I'm professing the the gospel of John Jones, it is with the understanding that there are some unknowns that I am willing to wash away, that I'm willing to say, I assume these to not be a factor. And if they are not, that version of John Jones in my mind beats Cyril Gan, and I'm willing to accept that risk. And I believe that we will see the greatest fighter who's ever lived show that he is the greatest fighter who's ever lived against somebody who I don't want to be too critical, but I don't rate Cyril Ghosn super highly. I think he's more the product of a weaker heavyweight division than he is somebody that I would rate super highly in the pantheon of all time heavyweights. Now he's young in his career and there's a lot of time to build upon that. But right now, present day Cyril Ghosn, I don't, I don't really rate him very highly. I would like to ask you a question here, Ricky. Uh, and it's in good faith. This is not me being a little shitbox, which I've been known to do. Uh, John has said that I wasn't motivated. And that has been like a big, you you acknowledge it. That's been a big part of the narrative here and certainly about for John Jones backers. My question and the question that I would love to ask John Jones, should I ever get the opportunity, is then what, what the fuck were you doing then, man? Like, if you weren't motivated... You've been talking about going to heavyweight for 10 years. It is ten, almost 10 years since the first time he meant like he mentioned it. And if you if the reason you fought Tiago Santos and it was a shitty performance was I just wasn't geared up for like I can maybe even accept that like that would be a reason. But then to be like, well I'm still bored and I'm going to fight Dominic Reyes, like why not go to heavyweight, my guy? What why if John Jones was bored? Did he not challenge himself in a different way? Why is that the more believable thing for many people, not just you? Many, many people are taking John at his word here, as opposed to, 
Well, uh, it's really hard to be on top for a decade. John Jones has been fighting for since 2008. That timeline rolls pretty, pretty much with what we've seen historically when fighters start to taper off. And also, I'm going to be this guy because I, I somehow am just him. Like he, I'm one of the prominent John Jones haters, apparently, because I have eyes. <laughs> And I looked at the guys he fought. And the UFC, I just tweeted this because UFC just posted a highlight video of John Jones and his return. And all those freaking highlights came from the Obama administration from a lifetime ago against all-time fighters. I am not here to throw shade on guys like Lyoto Machida and Rashad Evans and Vitor Belfort and uh, Shogun Hua. Also, if you if you think about those names I just said, four of them fought at middleweight at various points in their career, and one of them should have. He was a fat, light heavyweight who we loved because he was a fat, light heavyweight, but Shogun was never like the, the leanest, full-stocked-out thing. To me, the simplest answer has always been John Jones is an immensely talented fighter, probably the most talented fighter I've ever seen, who fought you say that the heavyweight division is bad and he took advantage of it john jones came at the optimal time to take advantage of a small and old light heavyweight division it just so happens that the people he got to beat were legends because of the the marquiness of that division whereas heavyweight doesn't have the same cachet as the vitors and the uh, Chael Sonnen's, et cetera, et cetera. So why do you choose to believe John's narrative instead of mine? So it's a fair point. The one thing I push back against is I'm not going to accept the idea that those guys that he beat at the time that he beat him were small or not in their, pro like that no, was objectively small. You can't deny that compared to him, compared to him, but in, well, yes. in, Yes, but everybody, but he has those physical gifts over everybody in that division at that time. But yes, but that that's one of the big points here is those physical gifts aren't here. And when he no longer had those physical gifts, when he's fighting, you know, Alexander Gustafson the first time, the second one, I th actually think is maybe his best performance of all yes. time. Um, like an unbelievable performance from him. But when he's fighting guys who can match him to some extent physically, like we saw with Dominic Reyes, Tiago Santos, uh, to a lesser extent, Anthony Smith, though he was pretty clean in that fight as well. He struggled a lot more, and that's really been the, the crux of my thing here. I think it's not fair. I don't want to harp on it too much. I think it's not fair. I think discounting somebody like Daniel Cormier, who's competed very, very well at heavyweight and then at light heavyweight, uh, somebody who he dominated. Mm, the first one wasn't domination, but got the best of twice, I think, um, says a lot as well. I'm not going to, I don't want to litigate every single one of those, but. I don't think that part is fair, but I think the rest of it is fair. And I think there's one thing that you didn't mention that I also think contributes to that is we've got 10 years of tape on John Jones. If you're somebody who's coming so to fight much. John Jones, there is a lot of tape of him spending time in the octagon and you can study that and you can see his tendencies and you can see what he's about. So they're going to be prepared. And I think that's what he suffered from more was yes, he, he had, he didn't have certain physical advantages over guys like Dominic Reyes in terms of the size, but they also had a lot more time um, to study him than he had to study them because of the amount of tape that's out there. Um, and the athletes are getting better and he is getting older. All these things I can accept. I, I, I acknowledge these. I actually think that these are a critical part of the analysis, but I'm willing to, but I'm willing to grant that even under those circumstances, 
I do believe his mix of physical gifts, his ability to game plan, his ability to utilize his tools, even against bigger opposition. I actually think it's been a little bit overblown that size, everybody points to the size, right? They, they tend to minimize it to be that the size was the only thing. We, we obviously know that's not true. That's not, that's not how fighting works. It's not only size. He's, he's also so skilled and so capable at putting everything he does together. Um, but I also think that there's an advantage in being a smaller man, potentially at heavyweight, um, we'll see where he nets out on the scale, right? But I actually think there's an advantage of of potentially being the the smaller man coming up. Like we've seen, I mentioned Daniel Cormier earlier. I think there's some advantages he gets against true heavyweights. Now, Cyril Gan is not a huge heavyweight. He's not a very big heavyweight. Um, but he he is his frame is large and he is a true heavyweight. I think there will be some some factors at play that actually benefit John going up. Now he'll lose that length that he had over everybody. Um that he had at light heavyweight and there's certain factors that will be lessened and diminished by going up but i am i am okay with admitting that john jones best performances were not the, the most recent ones and the ones earlier but i am expecting that he will perform better in this new weight class not only because of the excuse of finding motivation but also because i feel like he will have some advantages stylistically against Cyrilgon. See, this isn't actually going to be as bad as it could have been. Zurich and I agree in principle on several things. We disagree. I disagree with like some of your points pretty wholeheartedly, but I can at least like recognize uh, that it's okay. I got to be honest though, and and uh, at this point, I want to rope Connor back in here and ask ask his thoughts. I would frankly feel better about Jones's abilities in this fight if he hadn't put on all this weight that he has because i i agree in concept that like he could have some advantages coming in as a smaller man i am not confident he's coming in as a smaller man and from what i've seen in the training footage he's posted to to social he does not uh appear to have carried his speed while adding <laughs> adding this weight to him which gives me great pause for concern here. Like, how, how do you how are you looking at this, Barks? Are you paying much attention to the the John Jones hit and mitt stuff, or is this not calculating into your betting analysis? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as betting analysis goes, I don't have a ton of it. I mean, I, I can see the points that both of you guys are making, and that's what I've been wrestling with myself pretty much since this fight was announced. Like every time I, I start getting hyped on Cyril Gone, uh then I'm like, well, John Jones is John Jones. Like he is an unbelievably talented fighter. And now he's got the motivation. Now, you know, is he going to come back and, and be rejuvenated? And we really don't have like a huge sample size of Cyril gone. And the opponents that he's fought aren't the same level of the ones that John Jones beat. Then I, you know, if I start being like, oh man, John Jones is going to win this. Then I'm like, man, he, he's been off for like three years. He, he's 35 now he is going up a weight class is he going to be able to have those same advantages i go back and forth i'm never going to be able to give you a confident pick this week what i will say what i am doing the decision's been made since the fight got announced since i saw the billboard on t-mobile arena i mean this is this is a no-brainer for me i am not an old head fan like i am not like you guys i am of the newer generation of fan so i didn't you know have this long moment where John Jones just reigned supreme and was just absolutely dominant. I, you know, I watched the Cormier fights when they got very big and they got really in, you know, the casual and public guys. Uh, if I had, I probably would be cheering for John Jones here, but as a newer fan, I just love Cyril Gunn. 
Like he just seems like a likable dude. He seems like a guy I would like to chill with. Love his fighting style. Uh, I mean, I love his style outside of the octagon. He's got some sick shirts too. Shout out to his merch site. Uh, so I'm cheering for Cyril Gan. I just want him to win. I think the fact that he's from Paris is is sick. Uh, as far as like actual breakdown betting analysis, I just gave it to you. My my mind is in pretzels. I can see anything happening in this fight. Uh, don't listen to what I say. I am betting on this <laughs> biasly as a fan. Oh, oh, so you are betting on this. I haven't placed it yet. So okay. here's the thing. Well, I haven't me, placed it Let me it tell yet. you the bet to make because okay. I have it for Please. you. Oh, so, wow. Because uh, I have a bet I am very confident in. Now, I am not confident in the outcome of this fight, per se. Tough to um, be. Because I'll be honest. I'm going to throw a bone to our buddy New York Ricky. Wow, I like that. I like that little play I'm on just words. extend an olive branch, you know. Uh, I... When this fight was originally, you know, the poster went up, I was like, oh, Sirogan is going to run him. <laughs> like, he is, this is this is as bad of a matchup as it could be for John Jones. That was your Jones. initial thought, really? That was my initial thought, was wow. this is as bad of a heavyweight matchup as could exist for him. And then I dove into the tape, and it's actually a much better matchup than I thought. Uh, I'm still not certain it's a good one. Um but it, it is not hor- it is not catastrophically bad. I am now really extremely convinced that Francis Ngannou is a catastrophically bad matchup for John Jones. Um, but I thought Siogan was as well and maybe worse. And I, I don't think that that's true anymore. Uh, primarily because I disagree with some of what Rick said about, I, I frankly think John Jones uh, gets maybe a little more credit than he deserves for his game planning. Um, not that his game plans aren't effective, but to me, he has always been a fighter who has fought uh, specifically around an idea of himself, which is not the true version. To me, where John Jones is exciting and thrilling is as a top position grappler, and I think he's probably the best clinch fighter that has ever existed in this sport. And his game is not built around those tools. You watch Conor McGregor fight, and someone who knows jack shit about fighting can very quickly pick up on that dude throws a left hand and his entire game is built around getting that left hand to connect john jones's game has largely been built around being long and he's not very good like he is actually not a very good distant striker he's a capable one because he's quick and strong like has these tools but he you see it when he gets into exchanges. When someone gets into boxing range, he struggles very difficult. Like he has real trouble with that. But the rest of his game is built around this attrition work. And that's why he thrives in the later rounds because he's just tapping you. But if you can get inside his wheelhouse, he he doesn't have the tools. He has to clean, get away, and, and move out. Whereas I think his game should just entirely be, let me put my hands on you and you're fucked. Because everyone he has ever put his hands on is fucked. So he can do that to Cyril Gaon. And I think he can do that pretty effectively. And that's why that's where I have a lack of confidence in my pick on this fight. If John wants to do the thing he has tried to do against Tiago Santos and, and Dominic Reyes and just stay on the outside and, and pot shot away and work the oblique kick, that is opening up a world of opportunity for Siogan to simply be better in this range than him and and throw it away. Because John didn't really pick up the pace in any of those fights when he was struggling. He just kept going. But if John does just look at the Francis fight and is like, I'm going to tackle that dude, Siogan uh, is in a world of trouble. I just have no confidence that he I, – I have no idea if he will do it. 
So the answer I've come up with is I cannot put money on John Jones as a favorite. I, I just fundamentally am opposed to it, given all of the other factors and all of the stuff. And I don't even feel great about taking Cyril Gone at straight odds. Like it's maybe not awful, but I don't feel great about it. But Cyril Gone by decision is plus three thirty, and I don't see a world where Gone wins this fight and gets a knockout. John Jones, for whatever your issues with him, and I clearly have shown many, that man is as tough as a two dollar steak. There is no no quit in him, and that chin is not going to be cracked. And Gone doesn't. Try to finish you. Gone will let the fight play out and go to a decision. So I think the best bet for this fight, the most sensible and reasonable one, it may not be a winner, but I think the best bet on this fight is Cyril gone by decision at plus 330. And then I have several other bets tied into this fight as well. Couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you kind of lay out the case, right, for how both of them can win. There's there's clear paths to victory. Um couldn't agree more like the dc and glover clinches is what john jones should always be doing but instead dude, he he dude leona machida leona yeah. machida was dummying him on the feet and he was just like i'm gonna grab you yeah. and kill you instantaneously and the and the top game that he showed on the way up right until basically the title fight he was just taking dudes down because that was his sole mission and elbowing their face in i i think he's capable of all those things like you said but the 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 this fight exists in the margins right it's mm -hmm. Is that guy still in there? Does he have the size to do it at heavyweight against the guy in Sirogan who is naturally bigger or has been naturally bigger? Um, if he does, and if he's motivated to do that, you see a clear path to victory. But how long is is three years away in fight time? There's so much that's that exists in the margins. For me, I'm willing, and, and I have a principle when I when I used to make bets more heavily. If you can get one of the best fighters of all time, if you can get somebody a good principle. If you can get somebody who's one of the best fighters at all of all time at minus one fifty five, I'm willing to take the gamble on it. And if I'm if I bust out and if I'm wrong, I can live with that. But most of the time, it has it has proved successful. The last time John Jones probably floated around these odds was Cormier, and I, and I love Daniel Cormier. I've been touting him as a future champion since his debut in Strike Force. You can go back to the MMA Hour tape. I was one of the biggest Daniel Cormier fans you'll ever find. But if you're gonna give me John Jones at sub minus two hundred odds. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to live with the consequences of that. I'm willing to risk on that guy who, as you said, is tough as a $2 stake, has never shown that will to quit. You can And one of the things that I think works in his favor, especially when it comes to this layoff, you can say a lot of things about John Jones. You can talk about lack of preparation and things that have, have haunted him and rumors swirling around certain fights in the preparation. When he steps in the cage, that's not there. When he steps in the cage, he is prepared to fight every single time. I'm confident that he's gotten enough reps to to at least be to that level. But there are there are questions. There are huge questions that I'm willing to ignore, and that's where I'm leaning. I right. will acknowledge that if you have bet on John Jones every fight of his career, you've done financially very well for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this could be one of those fights we always talk about it. Uh, we always talk about it, Jed, like where where you look back and it's like, damn, they were giving us John Jones at at minus one forty, minus one fifty, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. Two things I want to throw out to you: one. Is there any world where Cyril Gant's takedown defense and and ability to to fight the ground game looks much more competent in yes. this fight as opposed to the Francis fight? Because I feel like the training camp they were like he's not taking this thing to the ground. Like we just need to to dodge the knockout power. 
So I think that is almost certainly probably involved as well. Uh, but frankly, the one of the big thoughts uh, as I went back and rewatched these fights is John Jones is John Jones has never been as impressive of a wrestler as has been made out to be. He is an astoundingly good defensive wrestler. His offensive wrestling largely takes place in the clinch. Uh, we've seen him sh- shoot a couple of doubles and, and stuff in his previous several fights, uh, but he didn't really get mu- much out of those. Like when he would shoot a double on Dominic Reyes, Dominic Reyes was able to get out there. And so I, I just don't, I'm not sure. The other part of it too is I think to some extent, Cyril Gaon had no anticipation that Francis Ngannou was going to take him down. Yeah, because, that's what I'm saying. Why, yeah, why would he? And this is the part that is the most speculative of this thought chain for me is Francis wasn't hitting like the cleanest takedowns. Francis is just the most powerful man in combat sports and would get a body lock and hoss him down. And John Jones may well be like super, super strong. I have no idea until I see it. So I can't reckon that he can do the same things. I, I think early John Jones will have a very hard time scoring takedowns later though. That's where I think this fight has a real opportunity for Jones to in the third round. Like we saw with Francis start to start to wear on him a little bit. I agree with that. I feel exactly the same way. And it's going to come down to that first couple of clinches. Like is John Jones adapted to the size, moving that body, shifting a body as big as Cyril's? It's not going to be in Cyril's control. Let's just call it that. Like, regardless of what you thought about um, his takedown defense, it's not stellar. Um, no, but not John great. Jones, can John Jones take advantage of that? Is still a mystery to me. I don't think it's as automatic as John Jones is some all-time wrestler and, and going to take him down easily. Um, also, circling back to something, I agree with you. Francis Ngannou was the was the problem matchup for everybody. Um, Dude, Francis was. Yeah, I went and rewatched that Gon fight, and I remember everybody being like disappointed until they learned about the knees. Uh, and then I, I was just watching. I was like, "Dude, this is this yeah. is incredible. This dude." Oh no, I, I had an Engano ticket, sucks. and I was going crazy. It was great. Like every like, takedown he got, I was like, "People, yes. the general reaction was negative." And I left rewatching that fight this morning, and I tweeted it as like. Man, it is an incredible shame that Francis Ngannou is probably never going to fight like a super relevant heavyweight again. Because yeah, I, I would almost just say certainly the peak of this man's career. And like, don't get me wrong, I'm gonna watch the hell out of him dunking whoever you know, yes, like yes. Phil the Freeze getting rocket shipped to the moon. Sign <laughs> me up for it. Love but, Phil the Freeze, love KSW though. Yeah, love them both. But watching. We're never going to get real, real high level with him again, we, probably. And that's a shame. We we should really start doing like a uh, a video documentary series where we go back and and break down like the public ideologies going into some of these fights. Because I remember when I took in Ganu, so many people gave me shit going into that fight. And it was just like, Gan was the future. It was like, it was, this was the the coronation for, for Cyril Gan. And it's just like, how how times have changed. One other thing I wanted to throw out. You have, one of the first times we talked about it, the point spread bets in MMA. Uh, it's only available on certain books. It's available Ooh, on, you yeah, know, like a- Just didn't worry going. Yeah, like a, on a bet online. Now, I, I don't have anything down. I, I likely won't have anything down. But 
one of the first times I became aware of these, I was actually talking with Rick and Rick was like, yeah, you know, I actually used to take those every once in a while and it was perfect for, for a John Jones fight because this was a guy that at heavyweight, he had some finishing upside, but most of the time he would just go to the scorecards and he would win by a fairly dominant decision. John Jones, this feels like if you were going to bet it, Rick, like if you were going to it, John Jones minus five and a half. So like he'd have to win like a, you know, 48, 47 with a 49, 46 mixed in there is plus 175. I probably don't have much interest in this, but like I feel like in this one, John Jones has the more much more finishing upside. And then I don't know if he is who who some people think he is. Like I, I feel like he's winning a, a, a wider decision. I'm probably not going to take it, but it's interesting to see that line. I don't hate that line. I, I think the extra value that you that you get at the plus one seventy five does alleviate some of that idea of taking John against somebody you might feel like is a coin flip. Um, so yeah, I, li- I like that bet. I, I don't hate that bet at all. Jed, I love the shout on the decision uh, because as as we begin to wrap things up on this fight, uh, I mean it's it's the CB special. You already know what it is. Parlaying the over one and a half. Minus four fifty. Oh, you're taking here. the one and a half. Okay. Oh, they, I mean, I'm using the I'm using the two and a half in a parlay piece. I do not blame you at all. I mean, I know these dudes are heavyweight, but Ciro gone. Uh, eight straight over one and a half. John Jones nine straight. Fifteen of his last sixteen have gone over one and a half. Uh, are we getting an official heavyweight over here? Uh, are we taking the over four and a half? We sure are, because it's a heavyweight so. fight. Got to take the over. It's the heavyweight title. Got to do the heavyweight over. And I have one more. I haven't made this bet because I wanted to talk this out with y'all, but I, I feel I, I'm it's I'm drawn to it. It's I wanted the odds for just fight goes to a split or majority decision to be better than they are, but Cyril gone by split decision at plus twelve hundred. Because as I was watching this fight. I agree to some extent with what Rick's looking at here, right? We're like, John's probably going to do very well in the last two rounds because he has historically done that. And so the biggest issue for Cyril Gaon in general to me is that he doesn't genuinely doesn't leave emphatic moments of a fight, right? He He's picking away. Coincidentally, that's sort of who John Jones has become as well. So we're looking at two guys who are are working the margins, as Rick said, which is just leaves a lot of chaos in there for the judges. And so I could see Gon having a great first two rounds, the third round being up in the air. Maybe John comes on strong down the stretch, or John gets a takedown in the fifth. So we're in a situation where we know Gon has probably won two. And John has definitely won like the fifth round and then the others are up in the air. I just, this kind of feels like we could get a grimy splitty here and I sort of want to have action down on it. I think it makes a lot of sense. Just, you just think about the idea to your point, those highlight moments, neither of these guys really has finishing power. Like, uh, you know, gone has gotten some TKOs in his career. John has gotten some TKOs in his career, but most of the time they're not those one definitive shots, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the reason why I was so confident picking Francis and Gano against Cyril Gan. I just don't think he had the tools to get to Francis without getting clipped. Now that ended up being a completely different fight than, uh, than I expected there, but without that stopping power, I think there's some chance for it to be close rounds and it, and it to be split. So I, I, I also like that one as well. So th- those seem like two throw a sprinkle on it. Just, yeah. just to feel alive, just to feel <laughs> something. I mean, it's going to get really crazy if you get that, you know, you hear Bruce just like X, Y, Z has it for. Oh yeah. If you hear XYZ that, it's all going to be Jones. Whoa. And then the heart just like, and the craziest part about that is that 
Buffer's not stopping. You know, the train keeps on rolling. He's reading those scorecards, and the heart just starts pounding for like a quick 15 seconds. Uh, Plus 1,200. It's big I don't cash. mind that. I don't, I'm, I'm, all right. So I'm betting on Gone in, in some way. Personally, I feel like as we approach the start of the card, this is a huge event for the UFC. You're going to get those fans that aren't as involved on a week to week basis. Maybe not, you know, in the, the line's going to move more. I think, I guess, I think people are going probably. to continue You're to place money correct. on John Jones. I, I'm going to guess, like, by the time we're kicking things off, like for the main card, like John Jones is going to be sitting around like a minus 175, minus 180. Like he's, it just feels like a, a casual, like not that into the sport thing to throw money on John Jones. Dude, he's 26 and one. Like this guy, this guy's 11 and one. Like, come on, man. When is the next time we're going to be able to play John Jones at this price? I, I, that's why I haven't played Cyril yet. Uh, but I like that decision shot. I like the decision decision. feels like the only way I am comfortable betting this. Uh, all right, so there it is, the main event. None of us have a ton of confidence in uh, in either side. We feel like it's going to go longer. Uh, you know. I will say this. I'm way more excited about this fight now. And, like, I had a general Wait. enthusiasm Wait. anyway, but, like, I'm, I'm, I'm super intrigued. I have no idea what's going to happen, and I'm, I'm geared up. Like, let's go. This is, this is how you Dude. should feel before it's, a it's, fight card. It's one of those fights, man where you hear so much about it, you see so much about it, you you watch it so much. And like sometimes this happens in other sports, but there's not as much time to build it up. This, you're sitting on it for a month, a month and a half, and you're just thinking about it. And that's all you're hearing about is John Jones, Cyril gone, John Jones, Cyril gone. Who's going to win? Return to John Jones, blah, 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 blah. It's one of those fights that by the time they're in the octagon and like the round starts, maybe I'm the only one that experiences it, that it's just like, wow, here we go. We're here. I can't believe we're watching this. Like, we're about to find out what is going to happen. Like, you finally get all those questions answered. And to me, that's like the peak of the sport where it's just like, oh my gosh, this is this is incredible. This is this is theater here. Uh, yeah, I cannot wait for it. I'm, I'm stoked, dude. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, fully on board and for as little confidence as I have in the outcome of this main event, I feel the exact opposite about the co-main event. There's, I couldn't be more confident about anything. The sun is going to come up tomorrow and Valentina Shevchenko 
is going to beat that ass because right. those two things are death and taxes, baby. I'm having flashbacks to our UFC 275 preview uh, when Valentina Shevchenko fought uh, Tyler Santos. Sure did. Uh, you know, split decision victory. Let's get to the co-main event, though. Flyweight Championship of the World, Valentina Shevchenko taking on Alexa Grasso. Right now, you can have Valentina Shevchenko minus 675. Alexa Grasso coming back plus 500. I mean, you just said it, Jed. Sun comes up tomorrow, Valentina Shevchenko, and still... Uh, I'm not that confident. I'm not as confident as you are, uh, but I do think Valentina Shevchenko wins this fight. I just am not sure that Alexa Grasso can match the physicality of Valentina Shevchenko. I like who who did uh, Vi- Viviana Rujo that last fight? We obviously broke that down on this podcast, Jed, and then we talked about it afterward. That was one of those fights. Just from like two minutes in, you were like, "Oh Let yeah, all right, this is going to a decision. This is just going to be kind of a snoozer." Like. Alexa Grasso is just going to outpoint her over 25 minutes. That's not really what you do when you fight Valentina Shevchenko. She she doesn't allow you to fight like that. And I mean, I want to say like this isn't Joanne Wood, but Tyler Santos was coming off a, a Joanne Wood win uh, to get to to Shevchenko. But like, this is not this is not Joanne Wood. This is Valentina Shevchenko. I I, I think and maybe it's just because I'm a I'm a Shevchenko stan. I'm a Shevchenko simp, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is one of those, like, y'all must have forgot moments. Like, I think she's back in a big way here. Yeah, full agree. I mean, we, we all know I've been driving the Chevy truck since just about day one. Definitely. I At least with Tyler Santos, you could sculpt a path to victory, even if I just didn't believe it at all. I I genuinely struggle to find a way, barring, uh, you know, freak injury for Grasso to do anything effectively. She's a combination volume boxer that doesn't really have power. Like that's, if you're asking me to pick a fighter who's tailor-made for Valentina Shevchenko to beat, it's like her or Jessica I. Like there's just, the tools simply are not there. And that's not even taking into account like, Tatiana Suarez just ran over Lex Grasso several, several years ago, but that that the physicality is just a world of difference here. Uh, I'm fully on board with this being the almost forgot moment. I'm taking Shevchenko inside the distance. It's only minus 150. I think she's going to come out and make a statement. Uh, and then got to do it. You know, I don't learn lessons. Connor, we were talking about this. We talked about this in last week's episode. Having a little bit of trouble getting into the black this year. Just can't two steps forward, three steps back, you know. Well, what's a better way to suddenly just turn everything green than to put all of the money that I have onto Valentina Shevchenko? And that's what I'll be doing once I've made all the rest of my bets here. The rest of the bankroll. We're doing it again. All in on the on the bullet train. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Let's go. Straight. Shevchenko straight. Yeah. She's... She's only minus six seventy five. She should be minus a thousand at least. Like that's actually probably the best, the best value on the whole card. She should be minus mm, a grand. But Bo- bone nickel minimum. minus two thousand is pretty good value. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not bad value, frankly. Right. But I, I'm I'm parlaying up Shevchenko. I mean, that's that's just what I'm here to do. I am a chalk donkey, and I'm proud of it. Uh, a lot of opportunities to chalk donkey. Shorter price tag, but over one and a half main event. Took the over one and a half here. Um, I, I mean, obviously, if someone's going to get a finish, I think it's going to be Shevchenko. But 
if you look at her fights, 13 of her 14 UFC fights have gone over the one and a half. Uh, she's not really that like blitz you type finisher. Um, I think Grasso's will will survive the seven and a half minutes. Eight of her 10 UFC fights, you know, have gone over the one and a half. And if this was minus 550, I probably wouldn't be playing it. But at minus 250, I, I'm willing to to parlay that up. Okay. Ricky, how do you how do you feel? You are nodding along a lot. I feel like you can't possibly be on Grasso train right now. I am not <clears throat> a huge Valentina Shevchenko fan. I am not on that train. But I agree with literally every single point you made. Stylistically, if you had to pick a matchup for Valentina Shevchenko to look good in, to style, this is the one. The only thing I would I would wonder is if she can finish her. Alexa Grasso is is tough and I think is Very not going to get a lot of credit as a as as good a fighter she is, but she is completely outgunned and the style matchup is just the absolute worst possible one for her. I don't see a path to victory like I would with Tyler Santos or or um Aaron Blanchfield or Tatiana yeah. Suarez. Like there there is a path there. Am I going to pick him against Val? I need I need a little more time to think about it. But Alexa Grasso in my opinion just doesn't have that style. That's going to allow her opportunities here. Everything she does, Val does better and is just stronger and more physical. It's, it's rough. Man, right. I kind of, I'm, I'm really feeling this over one and a half parlay piece at only minus 250. That is, I'm not going to lie, man. I, I, yeah, I, I threw two one. and a half units on, uh, on main event and co main, both going over one and a half. Honestly, I, I that just being it. by itself at minus 250. Five is not. God, there was there was one book uh, I can't remember what that had it. Obviously, it wasn't available to me, but they had it at minus two hundred five. I was. uh, I think I'm going to join you on that, which means I'm way too much money on this fight. Nice about it. I mean, twenty one of their twenty four UFC fights have have gone over the one and a half. Like, and and you just said it, Rick. I mean, Alexa Grasso is tough, tough, and and Shevchenko is not that like you know flash knockout. And she's not just going to put you out. Uh, It feels like she works on you on you over the round. So. I think Shevchenko wins. I think she she does it pretty dominantly. I'm I'm gonna say a, a later rounds finish. Uh, I'll, what's go, a, I'll go. What's Chevy four. looking like on the point spread? I was just I about to say. Look at that, but that's I was a just good about thought. to say. She's she's uh, one that you can play points all day. Yeah, whoa, whoa, he definitely whoa. points on this woman. Give this me give me something here. I, this is live radio not listeners. Be Valentina Shevchenko minus five and a half minus four fifty. <laughs> Yeah. not great dude that's incredible not given that it's only a minus 675 so they are functionally <laughs> saying this woman is going to win this way she's going to win dominantly there's not a real big room for her to eke one out there yeah either she either she gets the finish or she or she wins pretty pretty handily on the scorecards all right uh-huh. we're all in alignment there feel like we're probably going to be in alignment on this next one but uh you know hopefully we get some dissension as we go on uh next up Middleweight bout, welterweight bout, I'm sorry. Jeff Neal taking on Shavkat Rachmanov right now. You can have Shavkat for minus 490. Jeff Neal coming back plus 390. Uh, yeah, I mean, Shavkat is just one of those guys. Like, he's he's just sort of like the, the, the mythical creature for the time being. Like, he's not putting up, you know, Jailton Hamzat stats, but like, he is dominating. He is he is not really struggling. He is not facing a ton of resistance when he gets in here. Sixteen in the second round once, like once sixteen and 0, 16 finishes. How do you want it? Eight KOs, eight subs. The man tries to keep it even. He tries to feed everyone on this. 
Equal uh, opportunity ass kicker. Yeah, man. I, I, I just like, I, I, I see what some people are saying. Like, you know, sort of the, the brain goes to, to Hamza Gilbert Burns, you know, you make that big jump up, you, you struggle more. Um, you know, it's kind of like a welcome to the, to the big dogs here. Uh, I just don't know, man. Uh, like, I just don't know. Like, I, I feel like Shavkat's just, just going to do what he does, man. I mean, he's, he just looks so dominant. It's hard to find a hole in his game. Like maybe if his chin gets tested by by Jeff Neal, maybe if he wobbles him. But I, I went back and watched the Jeff Neal Neil Magny fight, and uh, I mean in that second and third round, Neal was able to get him to the ground. He, he he didn't hold him there by any means, but like he did have success getting him to the mat. And if Shadkat's able to do that, like that might spell the end. Like Shavkat is not going to let you get up. Shavkat is going to make you pay for getting to the mat. And he's, he's patient, so talented. I mean, I just, yeah. I mean, Shavkat is the pick. Well, what do you want me to say? I play, I parlayed Shavkat up. Shavkat, uh, and I took the under two and a half. I mean, they, they gave it to me at 165. I had to play that. I want to hear what Ricky says on this before I, before I jump into my bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't uh, divert much from that. I'm a big believer in the skills of Shavkat. I think Jeff Neal is a, is a good um, benchmark for him. I think Jeff Neal is a good litmus test for him. Um, but ultimately, I, I think Shavkat inside the distance is probably a pretty a pretty safe outcome. I am happy you guys said this because I already took a bet. Uh, but I'm going to be honest, be transparent. You know, I like to give it to you guys straight. Uh, I took Shavkat. Didn't you bet on Neil Magny against Shavkat? I did because it was a very, very large number. Um, I uh, and I thought Neil Magny could, you know, be Neil Magny, and he super wasn't. I have bet on Shavkat Rachmanov. I've parlayed him with Valentina Shevchenko. Shavkat and Shevchenko for the money parlay. It's minus two fifty. And I don't feel bad about it. it. Don't don't feel bad about it. These are your bets, Jed. These are your bets. The problem is I did this prior to watching tape. And then I went and watched tape. Oh. And I am not picking Jeff Neal to win. I think these odds are probably a little long, though, because I agree the Neil Magny Jeff Neal fight is the concern how that went out. But if you go back and watch Jeff Neal fight Bilal Muhammad, who's frankly a better takedown artist and scores takedowns more in the way we've seen from Shavkat, realistically. Uh, Bilal got nowhere doing that against Jeff Neal. I mean, nowhere. Uh, Jeff Neal is really good at not accepting positions, even if you can get your hands on him, but he's very good at not allowing you to complete the takedown and then just accepting it and then trying to work a different chain. I think Jeff Neal is probably a cleaner boxer than Shavkat, though Shavkat is not a sitting duck on the feet by any means. And I think this fight, you said it, Connor, after I watched the tape, really feels like there's some opportunity for this to be Hamzat Gilbert Burns. Which again, Hamzat won, and I still think Shavkat probably does win because he can have a little more success with the grappling if it goes to round three, and he can hold his own on the feet. But... I don't feel great about the price I have parlayed Shavkat at at this moment in time. Still picking him to win. This fight just has a lot more danger in it than I sort of offhandedly gave it credit for at the time. Yeah, I mean, what you said, like, Jeff Neal does have an 85% takedown defense. Like, there, there is a world where, like, this is that step up via Hamza Gilbert Burns, and it's like, oh, Shavkat mm-hmm. can't get the takedowns. Like, 
how does he react? Can can he stand and trade with Jeff Neal? I am going to go on the theory that uh, that a he will be able to to hold his own on the feet and and b that he will be able to get the takedowns. I like this is kind of a Shavkat at this point, similar to like a Hamzat, similar to a Jelton is uh, is like a prove me wrong and believing too much in you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's ultimately why I don't feel like super bad about it. Uh, but I will also say, much like I said for the main event, I'm way more excited about this fight than I was after I like dug into it because I was excited to watch Shavkat work. I thought they should have just had him fight whoever in that January card, I think, this was originally set for. Like Jeff Neal falls out, just get anybody else in there. It doesn't matter. Let this man do business. Uh, but I think this is a really good litmus test for him because Jeff Neal is going to test him in ways we haven't seen. And if he keeps doing what he's done before, you know, answering, just acing all the tests, then okay, well, let's just get him into a title fight real real soon. But I'm way more excited about this fight. I think Jeff Neal has a shot in it. I'm still going to pick Shavka. Jeff and the shoddy parlay. Jeff, he's Jeff also Neal. so young. I, I think of him as like, he's 32. I think of him as like, back end of his 30s because he's been around for a long time he's also got that uncle beard and haircut going that yeah. fools well, you true that's very true yeah. i mean he's a stud. I, I was on jeff neal plus 500 by decision against vicente luque and when he just melted him down in the third oh. i was like oh sick i was sick i thought i was gonna catch that ticket he looked fantastic in that fight uh and i'm with you dude i i'm as excited for this as i was for for hamzat gilbert burns like it's Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fantastic fight and it's a huge litmus this test fight for card. Shavkat. This it's, fight card. Oh, dude, this fight card, man. I mean, it's it's a banger and let's keep it rolling right along. We're still on the main card. Lightweight bout. My fa- my favorite banger. fight of the whole event. I don't care. My favorite Woo! fight of the whole event. Matush Gamrot taking on my man, the Tarantula, Jalen Turner. Getting back in the octagon. Five straight finishes, five straight wins, obviously. Right now. You can get Matush Gamrot for minus 225. Jalen Turner coming back at plus 190. And let me just tell you, boys, what you just said you did with Shavkat Rachmanov placing a bet before watching a ton of tape. Uh, I did the same. Jalen Turner. Uh, Jalen Turner's on a short list of guys that I just blind bet. Just had to cross one off last week of uh, Andre Muniz. You know, once they lose, I yeah, start he's, being a he's little more cautious. List. Oh, he's off the list. Trust me. He's off the list. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, once you lose, you're off the list. I, I proceed with much more caution. And, uh, yeah, I just have to say I kind of botched this one. I took Jalen Turner plus 165, which is now gone for the worse. Uh, it looks like you're going to probably be able to get him around plus 200 uh, by the time the fight rolls around. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just after watching the tape, you know, it's like the, the office meme of, uh, you know, Michael Scott, and he's like, oh, it's just like the oh shit face. Uh yeah, I mean, Gamrod is like sick. Like Gamrod's like super sick at grappling. And well, don't feel bad. You got this. I listen, dude. It's it's my guy. It's 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 Jalen Turner. I'm I'm riding till the wheels fall off. You know, I there was an option for me to cash this bet out. I said uh, no, not going to do that. You know, and everyone who's listening would be like, cash it out and then bet the better price. It wouldn't really make a difference because the cash out is at a is at a lower number. Uh, yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't, I don't know if you people know this. Yeah, the uh, books casinos smart. and books don't just give money back. That's yeah, they that, that's they're, not they're pretty how, smart. That's not number, how good business works. Number wise, I didn't really get a good bet. All right, two ways this fight goes. Right, I mean, Gamrot just has success with the grappling throughout. 
and is just just kind of just kind of grinds on on Jalen Turner. Maybe even gets a finish. Uh, I feel like if Gamrot wins, it's it's gonna sort of be one way traffic or Jalen Turner stuff to take down. Here's what I'm gonna do: just a numbers guy. Let's just say I didn't even watch the tape, just tunnel vision. I, I got the horse blinders on. Jalen Turner, 77% takedown defense. Matush Gamrot, 31% takedown accuracy. I mean, that's that's all the numbers I need right there. <laughs> I respect it. Uh, look, you said that there are two ways this fight goes, and that's just not true. There's yeah, one yeah, way this fight goes. Oh, There's one way this oh. fight goes. And it's Jalen Turner's going to get that dub, baby. I We're love, gonna it. Have I love you backing it. I love back you backing it. <laughs> uh, this uh, is one that... Could I go feel south great north. about it. Oh, you feel I feel great, great about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. This is just gonna. I'm just gonna have that. I'm just gonna have to have that belief when we get in there. Listen, once once I see Jalen Turner make the walk, and then he does the side to side walking, and I see the tr- I see the spider web shaved in the hair. I see him flex, and I see how much bigger he is than Gamrod. I'm gonna be like, it's the biggest man alive. Worried about what was I even worried about? Uh, nothing. You should have been worried about nothing. Look. Here are a couple of things that make me feel exceedingly confident about this fight. One, exceedingly. This is a, this is not a bit. You really feel exceedingly. No, no. Confident. I like. I I love Jalen Turner. I think he's future champion. Uh, I wrote that actually on MMAfighting.com, great website today. Uh, uh, we're Rick talking about the best in his, prospect in his dark room, and yeah, and it looks like he's, he's looking. He's, he's looking some type here. of way. Uh, you no, say I, you're. <clears throat> I need to hear. I need to hear why. Yeah, I need the yeah. explanation. <laughs> That's fine. I'm happy to give it to you. So just off the bat, the physical gifts, astonishing, just outlandish that this man is a lightweight. And look, I'm not here to tell you Matush Gamrot's a small man. He's super not. Fair to say John Jones-esque? Yes, honestly, very much that sort of level of physical disparity between his opposition. Matush Gamrot is not a small lightweight, but we do just should consider he did spend a good amount of time at featherweight as well was the former KSW featherweight champion. This is probably his more natural weight class realistically, but he's giving up real size in this fight. The fight that I take the most confidence from, and this is going to sound incredibly weird because it's a loss for Jalen Turner. It's the Matt Frivola fight. The most recent loss. I'm shocked. Matt Frivola is basically um, like a, dime store version of Matush Gamrot. Like interesting just, take. This is just an he's take. the most watered down Matush Gamrot possible. <laughs> Whereas he's got, he is going to put a wrestling pace on you infinitely. Okay. So Matt Frivola is the most watered down version of Matush Gamrot. Watered down Matush Gamrot beat Jalen Turner, which leads you to have an astounding exactly. amount of confidence that Jalen Turner is going to be able to beat full bodied Matush Gamrot. Exactly, because two things. One, I was at that fight. That fight happened in our our lovely city of Atlanta, Georgia. And very quick shout out to those two men, because that fight could have won fight of the night on many fight cards. Unfortunately, UFC 236 happened to have literally the two best fights of 2019 on it uh, in Israel Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum and Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier, too. So... I was watching this fight and I was like, how did this fight not win something? Some sort of, oh, it was on 236. Got it. Well, it sucks to be all then. I'm taking confidence in this fight because he lost, but he looked competitive and he was 23 years old. He was a baby 
just a, a child even. He was 23 years old. And since then, what has he done? Demolished everybody. This is a guy who got to the big leagues, lost to Vicente Luque at welterweight, not the weight class he competes at. Oh, by the way, Vicente Luque at the time was like a top seven welterweight. No shame there. Then loses to Mount Frivola in a competitive fight at his weight class and realizes, I'm 23, I have the skills, got to go back, I got to work on some things, put some things together, and we have seen the fruits of that labor. He is prepared for this fight, I don't. I think Gamrot can have success with chain wrestling on the feet. He's going to have to wade through a minefield to get to him to get that chain wrestling going. And we've seen Jalen Turner fight through those, fight through and out of bad positions. And Matush Gamrot is not the best control grappler. He is a very good scrambler and an offensive scrambler and an attacking scrambler. But as far as getting to a dominant position and locking it down and holding it, he hasn't really thrived in that that much i just think that this is a great fight for jalen turner to ascend to arrive i love matush gamra i've wanted i was happy for him to be here uh i wanted him to kind of make his way into a title fight but lightweight's just impossible to do it i think jalen turner's the future and i think the future is right now and we're about to see it on saturday i <clears throat> i feel similarly about your overall sentiments about jalen turner i truly believe you know, I'm a fan of John Jones. I'm a fan of Jalen Turner for the same reason. I think he poses a lot of offensive problems for a lot of guys. Is it fair to say that you're betting on the ceiling here, like the potential yes. and a the growth of Jalen Turner? Because when I look at this, I'm betting on the ceiling. When I look at the recent fights, I have to say, like, it feels like Gamrot for me. It really does. Like, I, I'm I'm looking at this and and I can't not pick. I can't shake the idea that Gamrot's going to just Gamrot him. Um, but yeah, we make also, that a verb just to, get, to gamrot someone. I mean, it's every fight he just gamrots to exhaust them. them with grappling. Yes, but and then and then finish them potentially. But I could also see a world where Jalen Turner makes that leap. I just don't. I don't think it's assured. You know, I'm I'm not willing to to stick the neck out there in the same mm -hmm. way you are. I, I favor gamrot here, but it feels like the type of line where it's kind of like priced right, and I don't really love either side. I'm kind of I'm kind of out on both, but I I like I I slightly like gamrot more. Um, but I would not be surprised to that point if Jalen Turner comes in and puts on a show. If Jalen Turner makes a leap in front of us oh, and just shows he, us that he's the guy, y'all are gonna see me act out if if Jalen Turner <laughs> if Jalen Turner wins, especially if it's by finish. All of his wins are by finish. Uh, I mean, here's one argument. I love the confidence from you, Jed, because if it works out, it's gonna look that much cooler that we were riding with our guy. Uh, secondly. I do have to say, laying minus two twenty-five on a short notice. Oh, I would Mateus never Gambron, bet Gamrot at this price. There's a lot. To, I mean, obviously because the price is moving so much. I mean, I got a bad line on on Jalen Turner. I mean, there's obviously a ton of people that that are investing their money in him. Uh, yeah, my, minus two twenty-five on on Gamrot on short notice against a guy that yeah maybe he does have some deficiencies in in his defensive grappling, but like he is still incredibly lethal. Like I mean, five wins all five by finish. I mean, that Brad Riddell bet, we were both on that, Jed, at like even money. That's uh, the easiest bet. I, that's still, I think I said Dude, it in a review tagged show. him instantaneously Just and then the tapped him. Easiest bet I've ever made. Like, I was like, all right, here we go. This should be a banger. And then I was like, oh, sweet. I won the bet. Nice. All right. Jalen Turner's will, sick. I will also say this. I don't think that this is likely, but it does factor in at least, I, I want it to at least be mentioned. 
the part that people don't talk about that often when you're talking about somebody who's incredibly long like like Jalen Turner is, it, it's always focused on the jab and the striking. Long arms make shooting and wrestling impossibly dangerous. Uh, chokes can can fly out of nowhere, and then the leverage on them. I mean, referenced it earlier, John Jones just dropping Leota Machida like an actual sack of potatoes when he chokes him unconscious from a guillotine. Unlikely that happens, but it, it would not shock me if Gamrot is still just chain wrestling, chain wrestling, chain wrestling, gets a little lazy, a little sloppy, and somehow a power guillotine slips in there. Like, could totally see that happening. And Jalen Turner is so slick with some so of those slick. submissions. Um, the the leverage points to your point that he that he's able to lock up. Uh, if he gets in the clinch, we could see that similar kind of John Jones style, like he did against Glover. Um, so yeah, I buy I he's buy him in the future. John Jones, how are you he not is. on on him? I, mean, I, buy, I buy him a hundred percent as a future prospect. Hundred percent, I'm all in on that. But I just I, it might it might be this the the he might be taking this fight one fight two fights too early is my potential yeah. read on this. Yeah, I mean if Cameron comes in here has immense success in the grappling and gets it done, I, I'm not going to be shocked. But like similar to the main event, man, I enjoy watching Jalen Turner fight. I would love to see him ascend to a championship level. Uh, so I'm cheering for him. Uh, you're not I coming here. You're doing a lot of heart bets. You're I just... mean, dude, don't come, don't come to me and and tell me about doing math equations and telling me about being a sharp better for for a card like this. I'm just going to have some fun. I'm just looking to have some fun. I'm trying to support my guys because if I don't have a bet on Jalen Turner and he locks up a guillotine in round one and he's going crazy and I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, hands in my pockets. That was cool. I'm happy for Jalen. <laughs> like I didn't even support my guy. Like, oh, what is this? I'm a fraud at that point. I mean, that's that's just what it is. This this main card, now that we're talking through it, like after it's doing, insane. after looking at it and then going through the tape study, I was like, man, I cannot wait for this main card on Saturday. And then... Now that we're talking through it, like it's almost like every time I look back at the main card, it gets more attractive to me. Like it just gets prettier and prettier. Like I like there is such a high level of intrigue for all five of these fights for me. Like I like all five of them. Let's finish it off. Let's let's go to the last card of the main. This is the best fight main card since 280 and maybe even long further back cuz 280 also the, 280 also had Caitlin Chukagian in the main card oh, and yeah, that yeah, that yeah, brings yeah. you down like yeah, let's yeah, just yeah, be yeah. real that brings you down yeah yeah i mean that that's it the last fight on the main card it's a middleweight bout Jamie Pickett taking on Bo Nickel right now get in before before it moves too much right now you can get Bo Nickel for minus 1500 i bet it's going to close at like minus 3000 Jamie Pickett <laughs> Coming back at plus nine hundred, uh, like I mean, just I mean, what is what is there to say for me? What is there to say for me? Like, hey, like how can it's you actually the easiest breakdown on this whole card? How can you reasonably go against Bo Nickel unless you're literally just saying I'm playing the banana peel at plus a thousand? Like, there's that, that, there's only one way. There's only no. one way. Yes. If you're that guy who's going to bet against Bo Nickel every single time until he yep. loses, hoping for that one cash out, that's the only play. Because if you're starting now, you're too late, and you, you didn't get to capitalize. But uh, yeah, there's there's nothing here. I mean, it's just like, dude, like... I'll disagree. Contender series fights, yes. Contender series fights. But like we're talking, there was no resistance. There was a walked. Did you walked. did you look at the stats? Bo Nickel Zeros. has the funniest USC stats of it's, all time. <laughs> it's absolutely he, ridiculous. 
26.68 takedowns per 15 minutes. His average fight time is 57 seconds. It's the funniest shit in the world. Those, those were those were like grown men, like with dreams and like goals to like make it in the fight game, like on the contender series. Like there were interviews where they were like, I'm going to be the guy to upset Bo Nickel. And like, also, they're not like throwing him into the deep end and they're just like, run with the wolves, brother. Bo Nickel versus Robert Whitaker, first time out. Like, he is getting a very winnable fight in Jamie Pickett. Like, he's three and six in the UFC. Wow. The disrespect of the night wolf. Come on, man. Come on, man. He was fin- he's been finished in the, <laughs> in the first round three times. It, I'm not trying to disrespect him, but like in terms of going against Bo Nickel. Yeah, no. Uh, I will say, I'm obviously not going against Bo Nickel here. Um, I'm going to bet Bo Nickel by submission. Um, hey, because the, me too. The Minus juice yeah, minus 120. The price is unbelievable for everything else, but I mean, Bo yeah, I think, has, his, I think his round one is like grappler. minus 250. Yeah, it's all just real dumb. <laughs> uh, buy sub seems like by far the best bet if you're making something here. I will say, uh, I actively would say don't put Bo Nickel in parlays, don't be that guy. You're gaining pennies on the dollar. And I do think that there is a, a realistic argument, at least, to just saying Jamie Pickett is is a step up in competition, and we have seen plenty of A-plus world-class prospects falter for one reason or another. And it's nothing's guaranteed, and this price is too high to be putting in parlays. I wouldn't say bet Jamie Pickett. I'm just saying... At this price, you need to find a prop that you want to get on and not just put him as the the last leg of something. Because let me tell you, if you hit a big, if you've got a six leg parlay and Bo Nickel is somehow the one that blows it, that'll be a bad beat that you carry for the rest of your life. You're describing me right now. Yeah, there, I did a little six legger and I just <laughs> no props available. I said, like, hey, nothing. You yeah, gained old, like ten dollars. <laughs> Yeah, sweet. Free Kenny's lunch on, on Monday. Dollar. Free lunch on Monday. Shout out to BN. Kenny's on the dollar gained. Can I ask one thing? Yeah. Are we sure it's a step up? I mean, I think so. Like, I mean, the guys he fought on Contender Series seem like Jamie Pickett, if I'm being honest. I think it's like at least... I mean, okay, maybe the competition isn't a step up. I still would say that it probably is in general, but... You're also getting a different experience. This isn't the contender series. It's the main card opener and a UFC. Granted, he has a ton of big stage experience, <laughs> but it is different. Like there is a very different aspect to what he is about to do. Sure. And it's all just a little bit different. He's he's as well prepared as someone in his position could ever yes. possibly be. That's but, that's my argument. Is that like, yes, there's always those those A plus prospects, the blue chip prospects that that do falter like it, it happens but there is just something about you know and obviously we're going to learn about his skills as as we go on we're going to see him get tested in the striking but like when you talk about consummate professionalism outside of the octagon like it just feels like this kid has been prepared in every asset every aspect of the game like the way that he holds interviews the way that he carries himself the way that he's talking about this fight you know, he he talks about Jamie Pickett with a sense of respect. And he's like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to try and finish the fight in the first round. And if that doesn't happen, I'm going to go out in the second round and do the same. And then the third round. And if that's if I don't finish him, then I hope to win by, you know, unanimous decision. Like, I don't know the way he carries himself. It feels like he's not going to let the moment get to him. It, it feels like 
I just I feel yeah. like I definitely don't happen. think any of that's going to happen. But until it does, until we actually see it, you have to at least have some respect that it could that anything could happen right. here. That right. shit, maybe he decides today's the day he's gonna try to strike for the first time instead of just shooting a double and pretzeling some dude up. Like what if Bo Nickel is the greatest fighter on earth with the worst chin in history? And like he that's just gets the thing, man. There's you guys could like be that. Jonathan Goulet. <laughs> there have been dudes like that who were just like all the talent in the world he just, just can't touched. take it. And they just can't it's we haven't seen so much from him i would strongly caution against laying minus 1500 strictly well, because listen, i got some good i got a good line i got minus i got minus 1400 thanks though. okay well, I, got, I beat the, i didn't know i, I thought that's that's the, listen, that's the demarcating I was, line i was feeling good uh you know I, I threw in threw in some ridiculous parlays tatiana suarez was in there we've already greened that one out uh does monday at the office feel like a storm not with microsoft copilot that feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. That's a good, uh, you know, transition point though. We were just talking about uh, having chins and knots. So we get to the featured prelim of the night: a bantamweight bout. Cody Garbrandt taking on Trevin. Jones right now you can get Cody Garbrandt for minus 175 Trevin Jones coming back at plus 150 I am personally not going to trust Cody Garbrandt in this situation I'm not going to bet on Trevin Jones because I think Cody Garbrandt is the much better fighter but man theoretically theoretically like skill for (laughs) skill I would think he's the better fighter but like man these last few fights he's, he's he's had a hard time not getting knocked out yeah Ricky Ricky, tell me why I shouldn't bet Cody Garbrandt. <sighs> yeah, I, I got to be honest. I'm I'm leaning toward Cody, <clears throat> so I'm not sure I could be the one to convince you. My thought, Connor, and you mentioned no, this earlier. Please. I'm not bet. I don't have a bet down, but I do have him kind of circled of like, it's the same thing. We're like, oh, we could get John Jones at minus 175. I could get Cody Garbrandt, a former Bantamweight champion, against Trevin Jones at minus 170. Like, it's, I recognize that there's, it's fraught with danger because Cody Garbrandt does not appear to be able to take almost any return fire at this point of his career. Uh, but Rob Font, he, he hung in there. Well, that <clears throat> that is actually part of it, too. It was like, he did okay against Rob Font. I was Font. about to say the Font fight, yep. Yeah. And, the, f- the fight that I'm looking at more is not on his side. It's Javid Basharat just like dummied Trevin Jones. And yeah. Cody Garbrandt is as as skilled and able as Javid Basharat. And they don't fight entirely the same way, but they do have Man, a lot of the world. same traits. And it's just like, why, if Javid Basharat just straight up dummied this dude, why is Cody Garbrandt, a more accomplished fighter, 
not a bigger favorite. This feels like a line with value on Garbrandt, and I haven't bet it largely because I feel like I'm too. I feel too good about Garbrandt's chances. No, <clears throat> let me let me help you. I feel okay. exactly the same way. I feel like this line already accounts for the Cody Chin tax and still has value. I like the minus one sixty five here. Yeah, plus Trevor Jones coming in also on short notice too. It's just like I. It wouldn't shock me. I don't want to bet my house on it because it wouldn't shock me if Trevin Jones just threw a left hook and Cody Garbrandt crumbled. But I don't like Cody Garbrandt has had a bad run, un- undoubtedly. But uh, y'all remember when he nuked Rafael Sunset? Like that was cool. So he's still got that in him. Like he's oh, still yeah. there. He's an exciting fighter too. You, you say yeah. he's had a bad run, and he has. But look at the names he's had a bad run against. And then look at the names Trevin, Trevin Jones has had a Jones bad run had against. A bad run against? Yeah. They, they ain't the same names. People, Those aren't the y'all same. y'all aren't looking at the, the tapology right now, let me tell you, they are not the same names. I mean, seriously, though, like, yeah, it's, you know, Javi Bashrat, <laughs> Heone Barcelos. And I love Javi Bashrat. Who's, who's out of the UFC now. Though, if you want to say it's still in there, like, Trevin Jones... Did have some nice finishes against Mario Bautista and Timor Valiev. I know that isn't, you know. Yeah. But still, like he does have power. So like if he does catch. He does. Cody, and he throws he throws a good counter left hand, which is the punch that has historically given Cody problems. But I mean, I'm with y'all though. I, I think Cody wins. And then like if he's if he's out there performing, like if he's really fighting well, like I, f- I feel like he he probably makes it look fairly easy. I know Trevin Jones has been knocked out like one time in his career, but like I wouldn't put it past Cody knocking him out. Yeah, I think that's that, and that's it. It's like I said, I think this is where I would look back on Sunday and be like, I could have got Cody Garbrandt against Trevin Jones. This is the thing I ask for all the time. I ask for the UFC to give their stars who have fallen on hard times a big step back. And I know Trevin Jones was not the original opponent. But this is that. This is an opportunity I mean, were, for Garbrandt they, to build confidence. The the Ronnie Yaya setup was just like artistic. It was beautiful. It was just like beautiful by by the UFC. Find the one guy who's never KO'd anyone in his yeah, entire it was, career. It was a plus. Plus, if I root for Cody Garbrandt to win this fight, yeah, which I'm fundamentally opposed to in general. Oh. I'm not a big fan of Cody Garbrandt. I don't want to root for him. But if I root for him to win this fight, then he will have a win. And you know what him having a win will make him an opportune opponent for moving forward? That's right. The fight I've wanted for years. Him versus Davison Figueredo in Figgy Smalls' bantamweight debut. Ooh. Just two dudes chucking them until Cody Garbrandt falls down is how that fight will go. I'm booking it. Cody Garbrandt, let's go. Minus 175 or whatever it is right now. I support uh, Trevin us. Jones never been knocked out. Uh, but what I did do in this fight... I did take the under. I just like I just have a hard time not playing the under in Cody Garbrandt fights. Eight of his last ten have have gone under the two and a half. Uh, we'll see if it works out for me. We'll see. If and it works the, out. I think the two that didn't were both five rounders, right? So which is interesting. This isn't is a five rounder. So I think what I'm hoping for is that Cody Garbrandt is still Cody Garbrandt, and this is a huge step down in competition, and he just blasts Trevin Jones. Could could be. Uh, all right, let's that would be keep it, great. I hope that's true. Let's keep it rolling. Let's you know, let's hop into hyperdrive here as we uh, are an hour fifteen in, still working through these prelims. Next up, a middleweight. I think bout. we have stuff to talk about on almost every fight Ooh. too, so we still got some work ahead of us. My guy DDP back in the building, taking on Derek Brunson. 
Right now, you can get Drikis Duplessis from minus 230. Derek Brunson coming back at plus 195. Um, yeah, I mean, if you've been listening to the show, I, I think every, I think we've been on the air for every single one of DDP's UFC fights. Maybe not, but uh, yeah, there was one that we missed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much just going to back DDP in every fight. He's not he's not the most technical fighter. He's probably going to lose eventually. But I think this is a spot where where he's likely going to win. I mean, Derek Brunson, 39 years old, he's he's coming out talking about two fights no matter what happens. He's he's going to retire after that. Uh and like the way that I see it is just like the chaos that DDP brings to the fights. I just feel like Derek Brunson, like his his path is obviously wrestling and holding Trigus Duplessis down. I just think in the striking He's going to cause problems for Brunson, and and I'm I'm not convinced that Brunson's going to be able to to hold down this this explosive, massive dude for 15 minutes. Don't totally disagree. Uh, I can't lay the price on either man in this fight. Um, I think the line's pretty good, mainly because DDP is not like the best defensive wrestler, and Brunson obviously can make hay there, but DDP is going to keep putting it on you, and Brunson. A bit of a tendency to fade uh, when when he's facing real resistance. I mean, six of his last seven losses by KO. So my, uh, I I didn't know. I kind of just wanted to bet it, and I was really surprised that the over under set at one and a half. Uh, not I thought it would be two and a half, frankly. Uh, and I'm taking the over. I, I think that we're gonna get later on in this fight. I mean, Derek Brunson has certainly has failings, but the last time he was finished before seven and a half minutes was Israel Dissonia fight. God love DDP. He's not doing the same stuff as he is in this fight. So I, um, yeah, I'm going on that. I don't feel like amazingly confident about it, but it's the only action I have. Yeah. I I thought about taking fight doesn't go to a decision, but like, like you just said, I am paying a pretty big price tag to, to rock with my guy DDP. So I don't want to get double exposed and like, the the upside for DDP is that he is likely going to be the one getting the finish. Like, there's a very real world where Derek mm-hmm. Brunson is able to find that success wrestling. Then I'm paying the price Just tag. Sits on, on him. Yeah. Then I'm paying the price tag. A fight doesn't go, and the price tag on DDP. And now I'm looking at a double loser, and it feels like a quadruple loser because of the price tags I'm paying. You know, I'm trying to get that that foresight going here and and not screw myself. So uh, yeah, I'm just gonna ride with DDP. And uh, hope that he keeps it going, man. I mean, this this would be nice for him. These are two guys that, even if I don't know the number of the line, the line could be anything. I'm not really comfortable laying money on either of these two guys in any fight. Um, I don't so this you. is a hard pass for me. I do not blame you. There were some scary moments against, uh, against our man Darren Till last time out. All right, let's keep it rolling. <laughs> Next up, women's flyweight bout. It is Vivian Arujo taking on Amanda Hebus right now. I mean, you can just flip your coin and you can either get Hebus at minus 120 or Viviana Rujo at plus 100. Uh, I have nothing on this fight. I think it's going to be a pretty fun fight. But uh, in terms of having confidence betting, I, I don't really have anything here. So, uh, Jed, if you've got something, please tell me now. Oh, oh I've got something for you, buddy. You're oh, going to yeah. want to you're going to want to hop on board with this one. Oh, yeah. Look, uh this is a great fight. I think the line's pretty close to right. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm taking Amanda Hebus, but I'm taking her in large part just because I like her better than Arujo. I think what she's shown in the cage is a more dynamic fighter than Arujo. Arujo's rock solid. Uh, and this fight will probably be close, but I'm not taking Amanda Hebus at minus 120 because that's a mug bet. It's a fool bet. It's an idiot bet. 
win, you can get Amanda Hebus by decision, plus 175. Uh, I think she's going to win this fight. It's certainly a very close fight. Uh, the over under, what's the, what's that line at, Connor? It was it was healthy. Sheesh, two and a half at like yeah. minus three twenty five. Exactly. Yeah, this fight is going to the cards. Functionally, is is what they're telling you. And there's a reason. Uh, Rujo's been stopped once in her career. It was on the regional scene. Uh, she is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, a very so- rock solid grappler. I think Hebus is a slightly better grappler. We've seen her in there. And beating better grapplers like Mackenzie Dern, Vina Gingiroba, but not like a huge finisher, um, particularly against people who can can fight back on the ground. Neither of these women are going to knock each other out on the feet in the grappling exchanges. I expect Hibas to get ahead. I'm getting plus 175 on her to win by decision, and I feel like there's value there. So pretty straightforward and simple for me. She's younger. I think she's slightly better, and I can get the value on her. Take her yeah, I, I, I have nothing to say there. I have nothing to say there. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I'm. I was looking for something to parlay, like a bow nickel inside the distance, or like that fight doesn't go to a decision. Maybe get the take, over one and a half yeah, on this fight. Say, whenever that, that drops, yeah, take the alternate fight line. I mean, it'll be minus six hundred. <laughs> I'm cool with that, man. You think but I'm you think I'm afraid know, to play I minus six hundred? You, you think I'm afraid to play a minus six hundred? Because I'll do it. I swear to God I'll do it. <laughs> the the pacifist parlay this week. Hey, yes, yes, yes. Let's go. Well, half pacifist, half half violence. All right, let's keep it moving. Still got a few fights we gotta get into. Next up, it is a middleweight bout. Julian Marquez taking on Mark Andre Burial. Right now, you can have MAB for minus one fifty. Julian Marquez coming back. At plus one thirty, um, yeah, I like it. Neither this is 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 this the lowest level fight on the card? Uh no. I mean, it depends. It's it might be the ugliest in some ways. Yeah, maybe just the ugliest. Maybe just Julia, the ugliest. Both dudes are like probably top twenty five ish, top thirty five ish middleweights, and that can't be said for some of the prelims. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, Julian Marquez. But it's is, ugly. It's going to be yeah. ugly. It's going to be ugly, but I think, I think I'm going to enjoy it. Might be it. fun ugly. Yeah, Marquez is a dangerous dude. Nine, nine wins all by finish. Uh, it's, it's his lack of defense. His, his defensive striking. He's not, not interested in it. He's not interested in it. And that, that could cost me here, backing MAB, uh, especially the way that he just got iced just like put out against Chidi and like Julian Marquez does have that ability um Marquez also has a has a slick little ground game as well but I'm not convinced this is going to go to the ground I think these two dudes are going to strike and the way that I see it is is MAB is who I actually think is tough like yes he got just put to the moon but he just got caught by Chidi I think he's going to be able to fight through it avoid the finish and, and outpoint Marquez I think if it goes the 15 minutes uh and Marquez is not able to get the finish I think NMAB is going to be having some moments if he doesn't get the finish himself. Like that, the the lack of the lack of striking defense, the high volume from MAB, I, I think he's going to be able to find success. It's a very closely lined fight. I could end up paying for that. I mean, it's a very closely lined lower level fight. So I mean, just saying those words, it it just sounds like I'm going to be paying for it. Uh, but I did rock with the Canadian in this situation. I respect it. I have no bet on this one. I, I tried. I watched way more type for this fight than I wanted to uh, because in my head, I just sort of feel like Julian Marquez should be a better fighter than he is. So he has some tools, some talent, but 
the lack of defense is critically damning to him as a fighter and it may be he's he's gonna keep fighting he is gonna be there for as long as it takes and he's unless you literally separate him from consciousness mm-hmm. like Chidi did and his he's got a great gas tank and i just couldn't find anything i felt comfortable with so i have no bet i'm just i'm cheering you on buddy thank you man i i appreciate that and uh Rick, unless you have something to say, I know you're a huge Julian Marquez guy. If if not, though, we can we can keep moving. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> all right, next up, welterweight bout. We've got Ian Gary taking on Song Kanan. I mean, all right, now you. Why can is eat. this fight happening? Someone uh, explain. To give Ian Gary another win on his record on a pay per view card. Okay, but why can't we give him somebody that makes a little more sense? Ian Gary minus six forty five. Song Kanan plus four eighty. Uh, I mean, I just feel like Ian Gary's the better fighter. Yeah, by like a lot. And that's my only issue with this fight is like, one, Ian Machado carry. I believe he said in his last fight that he, that's like a, he wants to be known as that. That so is. I'm sorry. That's my fault. Get, my bad. Give my the view. future. Sorry about that. Uh, um, but yeah, Ian Machado Gary, dude's looked great. Like he looks like a real prospect and he's getting – a dude like i don't what is the best thing you can say about song all right let Kahn? me let me throw out an alternate universe here song comes out catches ian gary i mean we saw ian gary get a little bit wobbled in the in the jordan williams fight he does have nine wins by knockout i mean that could happen my, my thought know. is less like if song wins and that's damning and sure but it's just like it's if Ian wins, what are we gaining here, really? I'm not saying he needs to get a top 25 opponent, but this is it's just a weird matchup that I don't like. It's a dude coming off a loss. It's a dude who's been out for over a year. Um, well, almost two years at this point, actually. It's just a very – I thought when I looked at this that this must have been a short-notice change of opponent, but it's not. It's It's just what they booked, and I don't – I, it feels like you could have done a lot better things that would have given us more information f- about Ian Gary than this fight. Uh, and in case it wasn't clear, I'm picking Ian Gary to win, and I'm taking him in my parlay. So this I is did, the weirdest fight on the whole yeah, event. I, I did the same. There's there's really not a ton a ton to say after that. Rick, do you know why they're making this fight? You know all sorts of things. <laughs> I don't know. This just feels like the the Patty Pimblet fights. Yeah. Why not? Just one more. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Just one more. Like now, now he's four and zero in the UFC, and he can say that. And and now that now that we're going through this fight card, and we're and we're talking through everything, uh, it is it's good that that we obviously go in reverse order. It's go, we're going to crank up in this one. Uh, the start. This is the turning point of the yeah. card. Card yeah. getting legs. Yeah, I mean the the last the last seven fights are just like whew. I'll give it the last eight. Ibas and Arujo. You know what? I'm gonna say Marquez and, and MAB is gonna be fun too. It's, it's gonna be fun because Julian Marquez is almost exclusively in fun fights. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be a ramp up. Maybe Julian Marquez. I mean, Miles is hot in the streets right now with her new single. Maybe he does another call out, gets another shot at it, but she might just be fully out of his league at this point. Either I mean, way. She at wasn't before. Point, I was saying yeah, at this before. point. One True. of the one of the all time great bag fumbles. Just I mean, pantheon. Yes. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> Truly one of the biggest failings in the history of this fine sport. Uh, we'll keep it rolling though. We'll skip over Mana Martinez, Cameron Simon. I've got nothing on that one. I know. I know you don't either. 
I have no two idea just, what two the hell's going to happen. In that yeah, fight. I mean, sorry, I, I only have so much time in in this life that I have. I, I can't spend it watching Mana Martinez decision losses. I, I just can't do it. <laughs> can't uh, do moving it. on, we'll go. Also, he to, doesn't even have his coach because he can't yeah. chain a glory anymore. I have no Thanks. idea what he's doing now. Next up, it is a women's strawway bout. You got Jessica Penning taking on Tabitha Ricci right now. Man, you can get Tabitha Ricci for the small price of minus 300. Jessica Penning plus 250. Uh, I don't have anything on this one. Tabitha Ricci minus 300. This fight was supposed to happen back in September, and I had Tabitha Ricci minus 160. Same exact fight, paying paying that much more. I I just have no interest in it. Uh, but yeah, I do. Tell, tell <laughs> me you it. parlayed up Tabitha Ricci. Yeah, Tabitha Ricci is just in the parlay because it's like, okay, she's not bad, and uh, Jessica Pinay is old and not a good grappler. It's like the, these are the things that we've known about Jessica Pinay for it feels like a thousand years at this point. She is not a particularly good grappler, and she's a bad defensive wrestler. And Tabitha Ricci. Is is good at both of those things. Sure, she's much smaller, but uh, Jessica Penny's not going to do anything with that size advantage. She's forty years old. Good for her to have got the win over Karolina Kovalkiewicz a couple years back. Like instead of going out on a total horrible losing streak, but nah, we're just this is easy parlay her up. I don't care that the price is double what it was previously. Yeah, I feel pretty sick about losing that one. I'm not going to lie. I mean, that that would be a great bet. I would love this bet at minus 160. I'd love it. I'd marry it. Wow. Strong words. Strong but at minus words. 300, I'm still willing yeah. to take it out for dinner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Strong words surrounding a... Uh... Yeah, here's one that's interesting. Here's one that's interesting. Tabitha Ricci fight. Uh, the point spread? Tabitha Ricci minus three and a half. I was going to say, she's got to be three and a half, right? Plus 160. I mean... Yeah. That's not bad. What's by decision? Uh Tabitha Ricci by decision minus one minus one forty five. Really? Yeah, that, that point spread that looks point pretty spread good. Is, is looking better than my parlay number. I don't I don't, I don't hate, hate that. I don't, I don't hate, hate that, that at all. <laughs> Plus one sixty. If you're expecting one way traffic, that's a tasty one. I mean, yeah, I uh, I might have to go hunting to find that one out there. Jessica Penne is not good. Forty <laughs> percent takedown defense. It's and that really is, bad, bro. That is over a, a large sample size. It's a lot of fights. Loopy Godinez, who here here's the thing, right? People can look at this fight and be like, she's so small. Loopy Godinez repeatedly took Penne down. <laughs> Lupe Gomez is like the same size as Tabitha Ricci. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Tabitha Ricci is just like, just chain wrestles. Like, that's all she does. Yeah. She's really good at it, man. She gets four, she gets like four takedowns a, a fight. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll look into that. Uh, that it, point spread is an interesting bet. That's a good find. I mean, you get one 30 27. You're, you're golden. Yeah, I mean Jessica Penne is the size disparity does worry me, but you you said Lupi Godinez. Jessica Penne beat Lupi Godinez she though, did, but she gave up several takedowns in that fight. Yeah, yeah, splitty, splitty. I'm gonna sit splitty on that shit. one. Huh. Think it over. 
I like I like that. I like that we that we felt that out. There. I I love that we gained gained knowledge for all of us as we're pushing as we're over ninety. We got two minutes, two fights we to go. Talk about these last two fights. Two fights to go. Rick's Rick's dozing off. I I would too if I was in a room that dark. Uh, but we got a bantamweight bout. And battling the demons like he yeah, is too. Yeah, it's you tough. Know? It's tough. I mean, it's pitch black behind him too. I mean, we're really just getting the the frontal of his face. It's just the laptop that we can see here. Uh, but Farid Basharat is taking on. Damon Blackshear, right now you can have Basharat for minus 450. Blackshear coming back at plus 360. I parlayed up Basharat. Uh, I like what the Basharat brothers doing there. Uh, Ferocious, not as cool of a nickname as the Snow Leopard, but it's still pretty cool. Watch back his contender series fight. Like, I mean, he's just a good all around fighter. Like, well-rounded game, 30-26, dominant win. Like, he can strike, he can grapple. He seems to have a solid gas tank. Uh, going back to his his regional tape, like, kind of the same things. Like, just just seems to be a pretty well-rounded fighter. Uh, Blackshear, it was on short notice, but, man, he he fell off in that, in that third round against Yusuf Zalal, and he wasn't that impressive in those first two rounds. Uh, Got to give him the shout-out, the losses. Outside the UFC, Danny Sabatello, Pat Sabatini. We don't have to get in the Chris Matinho one, but like some decent competition for his losses outside of the UFC. Either way, I just feel like wherever this game goes, I, I feel like Basharat's pretty much got it covered. I have no comments on this uh, other than to ask a very simple question Please. Uh, because I have no thoughts on the fight. Uh, is the ferocious name, is it? Is it the... Uh, the preface nickname is it ferocious Farid Basharat? Because if so, then then I fuck with that nickname. I love. I think we don't do enough of that. They basically only people do like sugar anymore, which is real dumb. Like for you should always do it. You should always ferocious Farid Basharat. That nickname rules. Uh, let's see. I mean, um, I'm going into Twitter right now. Obviously, our our generation search engine. Uh, Ah, uh, unfortunately, yeah. I can't remember this, how Buffer did it in his. This, this is pretty unfortunate that it looks like we are getting a Farid Ferocious Basharat. Oh, and that's trash. Trash name. Actually, can't, can't back the fighter I, with that trash name. I'm in, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you in that. Like this should be a a Ferocious Farid Basharat. Farid Ferocious is that's a fumble. Doesn't that's roll a fumble off the right tongue there. at all. No, God, how could it? It's it's yeah. That's. Uh, I see a little bit out there that says the opposite. So I think oh, you might okay. I think you might be in for the better look, version. Look, here's what we'll do. Come Saturday, if if Buffer's out there and he goes ferocious free Bashra, I'm live betting him right there, boom, hmm. out of principle. But if it's freed ferocious, betting on Blackshear. You know, gotta can't can't respect the man with Fareed Ferocious. It's an uh, awful I'm, nickname. I'm trying to find out right now. Yes. I've done it. I've located it. Will we get the announcements though? No, we won't. Mm. Uh, we'll never know. We will find out on Saturday night. Actually, that's that's how we're <laughs> going to determine whether or not this is a good bet or not. If it's if it's Fareed Ferocious, this is an L, no it's doubt. If it's Ferocious Fareed, I mean that is that is an easy bet. All right, man. I, I feel like the gas tank. Speaking of gas tanks, I feel like. We ran hot at the beginning there, and those first like seven fights, I was on fire. Like I was, yeah, I was ready to run through a wall. Incredible. Now, like, 
this is a ramp up card. This is a ramp up card. Fantastic, fantastic on the back end, but we definitely have to ramp up to get there. Uh, let's finish it off. Last fight of the night. Esteban Rebovich going up against Loik Redzabov. Tough one. Well done. Sh- tried my best. Short I think notice. You did it. Short notice for Radzibov, but he's a massive favorite, minus 265. Uh, Rebovic's one of those guys, pretty much exclusively gets finishes. He's an undefeated prospect. I don't really have any comments on this one. Like, feel like Loic could be a pretty solid play if he wasn't coming in on short notice, but at the current at the current juncture, I have no plays. I'm assuming you have something, Jed. I sure do, uh, and it's, it's on Rebovic. I am surprised that, that this line is this wide. A short notice, too? Lloyd Lloyd's short notice and like he's not um what's the word I'm looking for? Good. Whoa. He's not good. Like if you've Hot look, take. if if you've watched him fight, he is not bad, but he, you know, I mean he's in the PFL for years and he barely kept his head above water. And sure, like some of his losses are to good dudes, but his wins aren't over. Great guys, it's just He's just a very mixed bag. And uh, Rick said this earlier about one of my previous bets, and it's a little bit here as well. I have no idea if Rebovich is, is going to be good or not, but you go and you watch what he's done on the regional scene, uh, and it's there are good signs there. It's a 26-year-old undefeated kid, exclusively finishes, most of them very early. Not terrible opposition for some of those fights too, and you can you see the way he fight. It's all aggression. He can grapple. He can strike. He has natural power. Like I, he might not be good, and we've not really seen someone just tackle him and then hold him or do a lot of things. But I thought, particularly given the short notice, he would be the favorite or at least somewhere close to a small dog at plus two twenty five. I was just like, well, I guess I'm going to bet this then, and we'll we'll bet on the potential because I love to I love to see the best in people. I'm an optimist. I want to see the best in in this twenty six year old undefeated prospect. Any thoughts on taking Rebovich inside the distance? Does that juice it up at all? Rebovich inside the distance plus three thirty at one book, plus three hundred at some. Plus three thirty is interesting. Uh, it's a little bit interesting. My issue uh, is largely that uh, Radzibov has been exceptionally durable in his career. Yeah. And and when I say exceptionally durable, I mean he has never been stopped. Oh, uh, and he's been in there with some decent dudes, and he's certainly been around the block. So yeah. I I think particularly if he's going to win, it's going to be because Rebovich dumps the kitchen sink early and doesn't have the gas tank to back it up because he's never been to the third round, I don't think. But I just kind of want to – I think that they signed this kid for a reason – and I would like, I believe that he has some potential. And I'm at this price, I'm willing to take a shot on on the hope. All right. Well, uh, that does it. We made it to the end. Man, I mean, that we was, did it. there was about seven fights in there where we were just operating in their pure nirvana. I mean, I was just like, I couldn't wait till Saturday. Tailed off at the end there, uh, but still feel good about it. I think another reason is I, I'm definitely bet heavy on the back end. Like a lot of my oh, bets sure. take place on the main card, which I, which I love. Uh, and, Watch party on Saturday. You'll be able to see me sweat all those out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you'll see. Yes, let's go. I, I this is breaking joining, news to me. This is breaking I will be news. Joining to me. the watch party for the co-main event. Obviously, 
Mike Heck reached out and was like, the last time you had an all in bed on Valentina Shevchenko, yes. Perfect. he actually That's... didn't say that. He asked, was like, can you do the Shevchenko fight? And I was like, yes, I actually am all in on her again. He was like, yes. ideal. Perfect. Let's go. Let's go. That's what I love to hear. Uh, for my bets, um, I think I think you did it. I think you talked me into uh, to taking Sirogan by decision plus 333. Uh, I took Rachmanov Neal under two and a half. Jalen Turner money line, Bo Nichols sub, uh, Garbrandt Jones under two and a half, Drikas Duplessis money line, Mark Andre Barriot money line, Parlays, Shevchenko Grasso over one and a half, Jones gone over one and a half. Uh, that pays out minus 141. Then the Parlays, love me, hate me, Bo Nickel minus 1400 in a parlay with Shavkat and Shevchenko minus 192. Bashrat and Gary in a parlay minus two thirteen. I mean, we are just the chalkiest sacks of losers on earth this week, and I love it. And then I did a little parlay the parlays action: Bashrat, Gary, Bo, Shavkat, Shevchenko, Tatiana Suarez from last week plus one fifty one. And those are my plays. Probably gonna add a greasy prop parlay and then just call it a day. Love the greasy props. All right, mine are Sirogan by decision. Uh, I'm also going to take a little little baby shot on Ciro gone by splitty at plus 1,200, but gone by decision at 330. Uh, Jones gone over. It's heavyweight overs, baby. Four and a half is minus 140. Uh, Shevchenko inside the distance, minus 150. Jalen Turner, plus 190. Bo by sub, minus 120. Going to pull the trigger on Cody Garbrandt. I think he's like minus 170 right now, 175, something around there. Uh, Amanda Hibas by decision, plus 175. Esteban Rebovich plus 225 and then i am going to be i gotta figure out where to put that uh uh one of these things i don't remember which one i circled here as far as the future bets but uh i've got the shmoney parlay just shevchenko and shavkat that's minus 250 and then i've got my bigger broader parlay which is jones gone over one and a half shevchenko uh grasso over one and a half ricci minus 300 Gary minus 645 and that pays out at plus 155 and then I have the all-in bet everything on Chevchenko everything else must go on Chevchenko and that's right. it for the bets Ricky before we leave you one thank you for joining us yeah thank you for having we should have just said peace after the Garbrandt fight I've just been like all right we'll write we'll, yeah. we'll tie up the <laughs> strings here but Ricky what is what's the best bet this weekend give us the one the one um, best bet. Yeah, that's that's tough. Um, I'll be honest. I came out of the, like, you know, I, I sprinkle plays here and there. I'm not nearly as heavy as I used to be. I'll definitely have something on Jones. Smart man. I left here really feeling good about that Cody Garbrandt one. I got to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I really go. like it. I really like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it. And I, and I, I feel good it. about it. Yes. I love it. He, he survives and he wins. I mean, he's the bad fighter. It's the Rob Font fight, man. Some, something in that fight changed and, and did it for me where I can't. Now, I'm now instead of being worried he's going to get knocked out every second, because I was waiting for it in that fight. Oh, yeah. Now I'm like, you know what? Maybe time off did him some good, and he'll be all right. Um, I, I like that play quite, quite a bit leaving this, so I will be making it as well. It's a lock of the century, Cody Garbrandt to, to win. Nobody has ever gone wow. wrong betting wow. on Cody Garbrandt. <laughs> been nothing but success listen to that uh all right 
That'll do yeah. it. UFC 285, you know, right now we're finishing with, with a little air out of the tires. Go back to that beginning when, when everything was just on fire and everything was great. I cannot wait for this card. It's going to be fantastic. A lot of questions are going to get answered. The return of John Jones. March is just going to be on fire. It's insane. We're, we're back next week. UFC Las Vegas, but not the Apex. Piotr Jan taking on Marab Devalishvili. It's going to be fantastic. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Got a lot of Avs next weekend, boys. Oh, that's so what I'm talking many about. Avs. Give me a little Av parlay. That's what I'm. That's what I'm here for. Shout out to New York, Rick. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, man. Uh, could not have done that main card without you, especially not that John Jones fight. I mean, I was I was never going to dissect it like that. Uh, and that's it. That's all we got. Any last words, fellas? Just thank you. Uh, excited about this. Watch party. Watch it. It's fun. It's the best. It's awesome. And yeah, John Jones is Can't back, argue. baby. John Jones no, is back. No matter I, I how was, this goes. We don't know for how long, but he yeah, is but back. It, it, it's a celebration. John Jones is enjoy freaking enjoy back, it. man. Enjoy it. Just got to enjoy it. I, wait, before you say it also, I have to say I dropped a fellas there. I, I don't know where that came from. I, I, like I don't know where that came from. I, no, I'm not a fellas guy. I'm not going to lie. I didn't you can be one. No, I don't want to. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to I don't want to do it. We're done. It's we're coming up on a buck forty-five. Peace. I'm we're out of here. See you Love next y'all. week. Yamra. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts.